1: Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan.
2: Thanks for joining us, everybody. It's good to have you here at Winning Business Radio. I'm Kevin Hallinan. Welcome back for another episode. We're now live streaming on Facebook at uh, Winning Business Radio, as well as seven other platforms, including the stations, YouTube, and coming soon will be the Winning Business Radio YouTube channel as well. The mission of this show, as regular listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, right? to learn best practices, the how-tos, the what-tos, the the what-not-tos, and to be challenged and hopefully to be inspired by the successes of others. So here's the thing. Every successful person I've ever had a chance to talk to, it's been a lot of them, they've all had some form of failure in their lives and careers. So listen, while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to help keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. Let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. Today, my guest is Cindy Cushman, owner and founder of HR2Fit. Here's your bio. Cindy Cushman, owner and lead HR partner of hr To fit a company she started, in, it is the owner, and it's a company she started in 2017. The company was founded on the principle of presenting businesses with a local and in-person option for detailed HR support, including a customer service platform representing the full life cycle of an employee. Elements of that being record keeping, employee relations, compensation, and benefits administration. Prior to founding hr To fit Cindy had an extensive background in the field of human resources. Her experiences include service at Harvard University, Manual Life Financial, and Boston Scientific. She has several degrees in the field, earning her BS and MS in human resources from Bridgewater State University and a PhD in conflict resolution from Nova Southeastern University. A native of Massachusetts, Cindy supports and cares deeply about preserving the natural ecosystem and believes that we cannot truly appreciate nature unless we're in it. Cindy focuses on the behind the scenes operations of a local nonprofit organization that organizes volunteers and fundraises for the preservation of green peace, green space. Excuse me. Cindy resides in Stoughton, Massachusetts, with her husband John and their four. Get ready for this Maine coon cats that are the size of dogs. Their largest cat is almost thirty pounds. Cindy, welcome to Winning Business Radio.
0: Hello, nice to see you.
2: Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, so, I want to hear about those coon cats.
0: <laughs> well they're um they're large and they're loving and yeah. um, they're uh, pretty amazing animals
2: how did you start in the process of uh, did you have one first and then more followed or yeah, how'd that
0: absolutely. work absolutely yeah. so um so i had a um a Maine Coon cat that uh, i picked up from a shelter and i just fell in love with them mm-hmm. and um and just from there you know um and then as i um i had other cats and they had passed on i just uh, Unfortunately, you know, found yeah. found, new, found new loves, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, tell us, uh, before we get into your background, just tell us a bit about John.
0: Sure. Uh, John is um, my husband of over 25 years, and nice. he, um, he is an HVAC. Um, he currently works at a local university, and mm-hmm. um, he teaches at Peterson School.
2: Oh, yeah, very good. That's a really well-known school in the Boston area for those that aren't in the Boston area. And so, Cindy, I like the audience, uh, I think I mentioned this to you, to have a bit of your backstory. It just helps with context and to understand kind of, we'll walk how you got from way back when to where you are today. So tell us where you grew up. Was it Methuen?
0: Yes, I grew up in Methuen. Um, and then as I moved through, um, you know, through college, mm-hmm. I ended up in Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, you know, ended up on the South Shore. Right. Very quickly after that. Yeah.
2: And just for listeners and uh, the audience' sake, uh, viewers, South Sh- uh, Stoughton is on the South Shore. It's not far from, uh, from Foxborough-ish. Just to put it in context of the, of the broader state, what were your interests when you were young? Like in high school. I'm, so I, I'm always curious how people made their journey, right? Yeah. So what were your interests when you were young?
0: Yeah. So um, when I was a child, I always actually considered myself running a store. Um, yeah. You know, everyone had the fish Fisher price, you know, um, cash register. That's and, funny. Yep. And I, I, plan to, to, um, to run a store and, um, and then of course everybody wants to be a teacher, I think, you yeah. know, so those are my two uh, dreams. Um, as I moved into high school, uh, it was sort of a hybrid trade school. Um, so I found my very freshman year, believe it, or not, high school, I found, um, a love for accounting and I took all four years of accounting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it would have thought, right. Accounting to HR, but there, there is a path, I promise, you know? Um, so.
2: Well, so what was your, so you didn't go to college right after high school, did you?
0: Nope. Not a little right bit away. of a break
2: there. So what were your jobs? You know, tell us how you started your career, yeah. even if you, even if it was completely unrelated. I mean, my first job. In high school, I worked in a in a meat room at a local, you know, locally owned supermarket. It has nothing to do with what I am today, although it taught me a lot of just, you know, a little bit of how business works, but really how, what it is to work for somebody and learn those ethics. So, what was your first job?
0: Absolutely. So I worked in an accounting firm. Um, okay. It was um, it was a internship program mm-hmm. through the high school, and um, there was a, an accounting firm that was willing to take on high school kids. At the time, and uh, so that where that's where I fell in love with accounting again. Yep. I thought that was actually going to be my career path, um, but as I started moving through my career, I started to discover that in accounting, you actually don't get a chance to really talk to people that much. Mm. Yeah. So I moved to um, to being a payroll professional. I picked up my CPP, um, and from there, I um, I was introduced to HR from payroll. So. And then I was like, this is what I need to do for the rest of my life.
2: Was it really about, so the people contact sounds like it was important. I see as, I I could be wrong, but I see the HR role as a real support role, Mm -hmm. uh, helping people at companies. Is it more about you wanting to help people?
0: It was, it was about helping people. It was about, um, you know, really being that bridge between employee and Mm -hmm. employer. Yeah. You know, and I I always talk about the pioneers of HR, you know, they're, they're out there, you know, they were out there when personnel was just, you know, record keeping. That's what Mm -hmm. people went and, you know, had their time cards and, and it became, you know, maybe your benefits and it became that bridge, you know, it really became about employee relations and developing employees and, you know, retention, you know, all of the different um, components of HR.
2: So before we get into starting the company, I'm just curious, I mean, I want to hear about Harvard and, and Manulife and Boston Scientific, but where'd you get the entrepreneurial bug? Did it come from a parent, mom or dad, somebody yeah, else? actually,
0: that's a, that's a really good question. I've always just sort of had it. Yeah. I, I um, enjoy, you know, developing and creating systems,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, um, and not just obviously, you know, um, not computer systems necessarily, but more um, how how information relates to another, including employees, you know, people.
2: And, um, so. Sorry. I, just, I want to make sure my phone's turned down. Yeah, I, have this, no. I have this checklist. I didn't follow it today. So don't tell anyone. All right. Don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to, I mean, I, it was turned down. I was just double checking. I just had this gnawing thought, you know, that my phone would ring. Um, so I, l- let me ask this then your parents, did they work both, both work, one work, what were they, what did they do? And I'm curious if that flavored your, interest at all?
0: Absolutely. So my, um, my father was a, a union member, um, mm-hmm. all of his life, you know, um, he was a, um, in the, he was a operating engineer. So, you know, it, it created a really good life for us, you know, and, um, my mother, she was a uh, part-time, you know, she was fortunate that she could stay home mm-hmm. if she wanted to, but then worked when she wanted to. So, That was, um, so that sort of created the foundation of, of, um, how I viewed, how I viewed work and, um, you know, and how women are in in the workforce at Mm -hmm. that time, you know, how you could, um, have, you know, both, both worlds. Right. So.
2: Yeah. My mother worked, she was a teacher and thankfully for us and for her, you know, she was out at three or four o'clock like we were, and we kind of met at home and it worked out really well.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, let's see, do you have siblings? Where are you in the birth order?
0: Yeah. So my, I have my sister, she works with me here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's just, it's just the two of us. Um, so yeah, she, and are um, you
2: the older or the younger? I'm the older. Okay. Uh, so how do you think that, how do you think that flavored your.
0: Well, because pursuits? I was, yeah, no, it's a good question. So my, my, um, parents in a lot of ways, um, raised several other of their siblings because they were some uh, young deaths. Right. So, um, so from that process, um, I was the oldest cousin. I was the oldest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do only have one biological sister, but I have many sisters. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that makes any sense. They're technically on paper of my cousins, but they're just as close as my sister. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
2: Um, Did you go to Catherine Gibbs? I did. So it used to be called Katie Gibbs, right? Back in the day. But that was the gold standard back then. Absolutely. Was that, how how far after high school was that?
0: Um, so that was about a year after high school. Um, and so that was where I went to uh, to school for accounting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I started started there and continued um, at, at um, Boston, um, sorry, at uh, Quincy College.
2: Were they still doing the white gloves at the time?
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: it really is odd to think about, but it was at the time, it was the gold standard, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, I think what I took away from Katie Gibbs is a way to interact with people Mm -hmm. on a very professional level.
2: Yes, that's what I recall. Very professional.
0: Um, And I don't think I probably would have that same ability to interact if I didn't have that foundation.
2: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, When and and why did you decide a little later that after high school to beyond it was beyond Katie Gibbs, right, to uh, get your bachelor's?
0: Yeah. So um, it was through um, through the need, obviously, to advance. Yep. Right. Um, companies weren't really interested in advancing people that didn't have advanced degrees. Right. So and then I just kept going because I love education and I love yeah. to learn.
2: And that was uh, you focused in H.R., right? You already knew that that's the that was the call. Yep.
0: Yeah, I started as the uh, accounting role um, and then, you know, slowly transitioned over to to H.R.,
2: so, talk about how you made it to Harvard. If I am assuming this, this is the way you had it in order. So, I am assuming this is the timeline: Harvard, then Manual Life, then Boston Scientific. And I want to ask you a little bit about each of those roles, if you had multiple roles at at any of those uh, organizations. So, start with Harvard.
0: Yeah. So, actually, it's the reverse order. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Harvard. At figures, right? <laughs> um, yep. And so, um, so I started at um, Boston Scientific. Um, what years in- was that? How many years were, was no. Y-
2: yeah. R- roughly what year was that? That was, Best you can recall. I
0: want to say in the mid-90s. mid nineties.
2: Mid nine, Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, um, and then, so in, in there, I started in payroll and then I moved over to HR.
2: Okay. Right.
0: And, um, and then, you know, stayed there for some time. And then ended up at Manulife Financial. And from, What uh,
2: before you go on? What was yeah. a key takeaway? This is the last question before our first break. By the way, what would you say, thinking back, is a key lesson learned or a key takeaway from your time at Boston Scientific?
0: Yeah. So it was really just how a strong organization functions. Oh yeah. That was really a key. They did away. it well. Yeah, yeah. But prior to that, was all you know smaller smaller firm. So it was really just that exposure to seeing how everything into integrates well.
2: All right. We're going to come back to that. We will be back in just a couple minutes after these commercials and especially the message from our sponsor, um, Bestian Wealth Management. We'll be back with Cindy Cushman in just a minute.
1: You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. everyone. I'm Jimmy Starr, the king of cool and your host of the Jimmy Starr Show. The entertainment radio show for all you cool and unique people looking to get a behind the scenes peek at what's going on in the entertainment industry. Listen in as me and my cool crowd of co-hosts bring you celebrity guests, new music, and the good times in fashion, entertainment, and pop culture. Right everybody? Right! Tune in live Wednesdays at 3pm Eastern on W4CY.com Jimmy Starr's celebrity Hey, this is Kenny Wayne Shepard, and you're listening to W4CY Radio.
0: Hey, this is Rebel Method. Join me for In Your Face on W4CY.com, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
2: BestGen Wealth Management is a second-generation, family-owned financial planning and wealth advisory firm. In addition to coordinating complex business and personal planning needs, our firm takes a sincere interest in your well-being and personal values. Find us at bestgenwm.com, that's bestgenwm.com, where we consider all our clients an extension of our family. Advisory service is offered through Commonwealth Financial
1: Network, a registered investment advisor. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind to help you succeed in business. Here, once again, is Kevin Hallinan. We are back with Cindy Cushman,
2: founder of HR2Fit. And Cindy, we're talking about your key takeaway from Boston Scientific. My guest is, and by the way, that's how organizations, good organizations, are run. you bring that to your clients today, that, that, uh, the lessons learned there. Absolutely. And That's, I'm going to get specific there in a few minutes. Uh, how about manual life? Tell us about that, those roles or that role along you were there. And, and, uh, again, another key takeaway.
0: Um, I was there for approximately six years and, um, my key takeaway from there was how to manage well. Oh. They really had a solid management team that, um, expressed and showed how to be a good employer.
2: And I asked this question a little selfishly. Did you get management training? Yes. That's outstanding. As you you probably know, in fact, I'm sure you know, most managers don't get trained to manage. They are just high performers in a role and they get bumped up and they kind of swim, right?
0: Absolutely. I see it every day.
2: What was some of the training like?
0: Uh, So it was, um, so it started with the Um, Myers-Briggs. Everyone took that and you build off of those, um, those, those building blocks, but the, the training was really um, specific to the the company, right? How do they want, how did, did they want their, their managers to manage? And, um, and that really was my key takeaway on how to design and develop management training.
2: And, so not only did you get trained, you probably developed some of that training yourself or with a team?
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, worked within um, the HR team to uh, develop. You know, they, at that time, they had over 2,000 employees in Boston.
2: And that's a financial service, life insurance, financial yep, services exactly. for sure. Financial yeah.
0: service and life insurance, yep.
2: Right. And so what were your titles while you were there?
0: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, HR administrator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. There were a yeah. few. Um, and then there was, you know, a couple of promotions um, yep. and uh, HR management roles. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: cool. And then from Life, did you go to Harvard or was there something in between there?
0: Um, yes. So I had a, a little break and went to a small company.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so um, then after that, I went to Harvard.
2: So talk about ooh, talk about that experience.
0: Uh, so, from working at Harvard, you mean? Yes, sorry. Harvard is an amazing institution, mm. and it so it, it is so large, but yet it's so local. It's really an interesting mm. place, right? Um, so the HR is actually designed that way too. You know, so it's it's very decentralized, and um, there is a central component, but it really um, that's only really for the purpose of compliance. Um, in the decentralized uh, role is really where um, people have their one-on-one contact with their HR team.
2: Roughly how many employees does Harvard have? It's a lot, right?
0: Yeah. It was over, t- when I was there, it was over
2: 20,000
0: mm-hmm. um, and probably 30,000 globally.
2: I was going to ask you yeah, what percentage of that 30,000 globally, 20,000 in the Boston area. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And w- so they're professors, instructors, Facilities, everywhere in between, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. A wide range of, um, you know, different disciplines and, um, and obviously it's Harvard University, right?
2: <laughs> for sure. And what are some of the challenges you had to deal with at Harvard?
0: I mean, I think part of it is that being front facing um, with the employees was that it, it was difficult to explain why it took so long for certain things to happen. Mm-hmm. So say a change in benefit plan, you know, it was rolled out, you know, expressed and then people are looking for it. And it's like, well, no, that's really two years down the road, you know? So that's, that's really, you know, and it, and it, and it is, it it had to be that way for certain reasons because of committees and buy-in and so forth. But, uh, but that was, I think the biggest challenge working there.
2: Were there other significant differences between manual life, which is, I mean, I'm arguing it's probably a public, but at least it's not. It's not. A, it's a company versus an institution like a Harvard. What were some of the other differences between the two firms?
0: Yeah. Um, So I think, I mean, obviously, one's a nonprofit. Right. You know, for profit. Um, right. I think, you know, Harvard has um, a, a, a very different focus, obviously. And where I worked was um, primarily at the Arnold Arboretum. Um, so that obviously had a very different focus than the law school. Right. Um, right. Or the business right. school. Um, so that was um, in, in the same when you compare uh, Manulife to Harvard. It was the same same type of thing. It just I, they're just distinctly different business models. All
2: right. You mentioned the Arnold Arboretum. I don't want to move past that. Uh, I live like five minutes from the Arboretum. I'm in Roslindale, um, not far from Forest Hills. So tell the tell the audience. It's such a cool place about the Arboretum.
0: The Arboretum is, is an amazing, magical place. That's, mm. all, I mean, That's a I good really, way to start. I cannot express how wonderful um, the Arboretum is. Mm. And, I mean, the history and um, the library, you know, is so extensive. Um, the library staff are so knowledgeable. It just, and, um, and then, of course, you know, you have the, the, it's a living collection. So, what's a living collection is that, you know, there are actually scientists working um, on, on, on the, the beautiful you know trees, but keep them you know intact and cause no harm. You know, you know how so, many
2: acres it is? It's pretty big.
0: Yeah, it's two hundred sixty five acres.
2: And walking and, trails. Amazing. Uh, yeah. All kinds of colors, all kinds of uh, different seasonal blooms, and it's just a, a great place to take a dog or to take a take a walk yourself or walk with somebody. It's just an awesome place.
0: Absolutely, it's a museum. Mm-hmm. And it's also a public, public park. So it really, it does combine those two things. Um, and, you know, it really has always been true to its mission.
2: And I know we're focused on this, this is a little off topic, but it's such a cool place. So I wanted to highlight it. There are people that work that, that go overseas on behalf of the Arboretum. Yes. To either research or bring back plant species, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and in the, and it really is a, you know, as far as uh, research um, it's you know global, right? It's not just what you see out in um, you know out outside at the arboretum. It also has a greenhouse that mm. and it also has a herbarium uh, over in Cambridge. So it really has uh, quite a few different components from a cl- uh, and also has a seed collection you know across the globe. Like I mean, it's just it's pretty amazing the work that's done there.
2: And uh, it's just like a city Harvard partnership, right?
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Yeah. In, city of Boston is involved in some aspect. I'm not sure. Maybe you can share that. But
0: oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm HR. I used to. <laughs> oh,
2: that's true. That's <laughs> right?
0: um, So it was um, the partnership was uh, developed by um, the, the founder of the Arboretum that um, had a relationship, obviously, and, and a graduate from Harvard University, but mm-hmm. also wanted to make sure that it never became closed off to the public. So it um, it was created that there would be a lease for two thousand years uh, wow. for a dollar a year. So, and that's and, a pretty good deal. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and so um, neither party could um, have control or ownership of it. It had to be a partnership because of design of the lease. Yeah.
2: And how many employees did the Arboretum have?
0: Um, I mean, there were, Round there were numbers. obviously summer internship programs. There mm-hmm. was more. Um, so it was over 100 um, on a regular, consistent basis when you factor in the scientists.
2: And then from Harvard, I'm trying to find figure out the timing when you decided to uh, start the company. But I, I want to get into education in a minute, too. But was there a position after Harvard? Or when yep. you left Harvard, did you get to? Okay, so talk about the transition from Harvard to HR to fit. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, well, there was another position between, um, that was at the Episcopal Diocese. Ah, Again, right, very right. distinct, distinctly different. Yes.
2: Um, another nonprofit.
0: Another nonprofit, right. distinctly different mission. Um, and from there is when I decided to open a chart of it.
2: So I want to answer, I want you to answer this question. Then I want to get back to education because I think it's fast. What you did is fascinating. Um, why did you decide to start the company?
0: So actually, I um, always saw that small businesses needed the same level of HR mm-hmm. that large, I mean, obviously working in the larger corporations that I mentioned um, in nonprofits, that there was that same need. I mean, there's, you know, it, it was just not as readily available or the same style um, and approach was not available.
2: So the compliance is just as is the same, right? They, they're they yep. still, they have to follow the same laws as the larger company or institution, but often they don't have the staff.
0: Exactly. It's and um, small, um, small, medium-sized businesses are often put in a position where you know obviously they have to look at at their dollars and you know hiring an HR manager um, or hire is is a is a, an expensive position to even if you do it at a part-time level. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of resources being pulled into one, one general area.
2: So we'll come back to that for sure. Uh, but before we get to the break, we have three minutes or so. Your journey in education is really cool. Bachelor's, master's, PhD, um, pretty impressive. It's taken your time because you've been a full-time working professional during those years, right? Yep, absolutely. What advice would you give to others about education and how were you able to power through for so many, so many years? It sounds like you had a mission, but talk about how you had to balance family, work and school.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's obviously you have to be passionate about what mm-hmm. you're learning, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to show up every, right. every, every class, right? Um, But I think the, the drive was to always, you know, to always um, learn new things. I mean, there's always, there's always something new changing and an approach. And you, the more you know, the more you realize you know what you don't know right yes and 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 so this but the struggle is trying to balance that right and it was always it's just becoming really structured in your life which is not my strength at all yeah (laughs) you know um certainly so it was you know you know 6 a.m writing a paper you know 10 o'clock at night you know finishing that paper um going to class you know making sure it was on certain days you know that type of thing
2: and on top of that the 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 phd talk about what went through your mind. Uh, I'll say it better. What was behind your decision to pursue the PhD?
0: Sure. Um, well, part of it is I've always had an interest in, you know, obviously HR management was, you know, great foundational work, but really understanding conflict in the workplace. Mm. You know, I saw it throughout my career and I really had an interest in learning how do people resolve conflicts in the most, um, and the best way that people get an outcome can be beneficial to both parties.
2: And so your focus, it's called, let me just read it, Peace Studies and Conflict Resolution. Mm-hmm. Conflict Resolution, I think, makes sense. Talk about peace studies.
0: Yep. Um, so really it was sort of a global focal point. Um, mm-hmm. So to look at, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, areas of extreme conflict um, and what those takeaways were. So um, if you look at you know, historically some of the geopolitical um, um, conflicts, and mm-hmm. so the, from, the, from a 5,000 um, view, 5,000 feet view, um, you don't you know, see that there were actual you know, beneficial um, approaches that took place. But there were. there were things that actually happened that were, that were positive and that people walked away um, in, in a better place. So maybe at the higher level, you know, at the government level, you're not. We're not seeing it, um, but at the individual level, it's there.
2: What kind of conflict have you seen in the workplace?
0: Oh, it ranges from um, arguing over space to um, not appreciate, not being appreciated. You know, there. There. I mean, we could spend two hours. Yeah, on that topic.
2: All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back to that topic in a second. Um, just maybe a couple of examples. Sure, of course. Uh, you don't have to name names, of course. No, I want names. No, just in general, oh, <laughs> so people course. can get a sense of <laughs> the type of things you have to work on. But for now, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Cindy Cushman, founder of HR to Fit. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. you ever dreamed of having your own radio show well w4cy radio makes dreams come true you can be a radio personality on the number one ranked internet radio station in west palm beach florida we can be heard in 105 countries in all u.s states promote your business earn up to ten thousand per month and more it's all up to you have fun and be heard call 561-506-4031 that's 561-506-4031 start your radio show now
0: This is Rebel Mether. Join me for In Your Face on W4CY.com. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
2: Best Wealth Management is a second generation family owned financial planning and wealth advisory firm. In addition to coordinating complex business and personal planning needs, our firm takes a sincere interest in your well being and personal values. Find us at bestgenwm.com. That's bestgenwm.com, where we consider all our clients an extension of our family. Advisory service is offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.
1: Hey, this is Johnny Three Tears from Hollywood Undead, and you're listening to W4CY Radio. I do whatever it takes to make it break through. Anything I face to face with, it's true. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We are
2: back with Cindy Cushman, founder and owner of HR Two Fit. So, uh, hopefully, that was enough of a tease. Uh, <laughs> what were? Just give us some examples of some of the conflict you've had to deal with.
0: So, um, in, I would say one of the most challenging is if there's conflicts with that are that were relationships in the in the company. Mm. Um, so, maybe there was a personal relationship. Or there was, um, you know, they became really good friends, and then something happened at work Mm. that triggered that that change in the relationship, and that those are the most difficult, I think, to work through, because there's so many different layers to it, and um, so that's um, that's I would say is one of one of the most difficult.
2: And you're the lucky person that has to help your client through that, right?
0: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so. You said you saw a need talk about kind of why you decided to start the firm.
0: so it was um, as I had mentioned I've worked at small firms and large right. and um, seeing that seeing that businesses of all sizes obviously needed HR but right. there's also the you know the compliance I mean when I mention um, even sending an email about you know the change in um, what what has just recently taken place on the non-competes right. It's it's not clear. It's very arbitrary, but there was an executive order signed saying that non-competes will be changed. So just sharing that information. And so at a large firm, you have your legal team, and that's you know who works on trying to figure that out. You know, in smaller firm, they may not even realize that they have something classified as a non-compete. You know, you um, know, or language within a sales contract. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's just really to develop solid policies and procedures to look at all those different components.
2: So I'm curious about that because that topic came up just recently on this show, that of that being non-competes. Uh, Massachusetts has been different than many states. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying that's now changed. How has it changed? And are they more or less enforceable? You know, give us a heads up on that.
0: Yeah, That's a great question. Um, so at this time, it was a few weeks ago that President Biden signed a executive order. hmm but at this time, there is not any guidelines presented. Was so, that
2: non-binding? Yes. Yeah. No, okay. Right. And
0: so at this time, but it's moving in that direction. So an initiative has been presented to, um, you know, two sections of the government, um, one being the Department of Labor, mm-hmm. the other being um, the Fair Trade Commission. And mm-hmm. they're working on um, what that will look like. It, it will come, I think, Um you know, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, but that's my project, project um, projection is that that will come because it's been such a topic of,
2: of conversation. So the arguments are that a business needs the ability to protect its intellectual property, its customers yes. from employees that would leave either on good or bad terms. Right. Yes, exactly. And on the other side of the equation, the employee leaves and feels that he or she should have the ability to work anywhere, even for a direct competitor
0: and take some of that intellectual property with them that mm-hmm. may, they may have developed. And um, so it is case by case. I really don't like to blanket because right. it really is, right. you know, what, what happened, you know, what, you know, what, um, you know, what led to the, you know, the ending of the relationship, employment relationship. So, and that's where I feel like HR strength is because we live in the weeds. Yes. right. <laughs> um,
2: so. That decision as it, well, decision, those policies affecting a non-compete, that could be pretty landmark um, as you know, when and if it happens, assuming it does, I think you're probably right, by the way. Um, so starting the company, give us the timeline. You were probably working while that, while you were making that decision. What was behind, I mean, excuse me, the process, Tell, talk about the process. And when you decided to pull the trigger, uh, you left uh, wherever you were, you didn't have any clients yet. So talk about that.
0: Yeah, so it was really um, trying to figure out what would be next, right? Um, so always thinking, you know, I'm, I was always looking ahead, trying to figure that out. You know, I had hit a um, certain point with my education and with all of the things that I've done in my career. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I really, I, what I always struggled with in HR is that trying to live through some of the um, sort of the pressure, it's maybe call politics, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and you're always trying to make sure everyone's happy. Right. And so you're constantly playing this. Okay. If I say it this way, this person might get upset, that type of thing. Yep. So I really just wanted to do HR, right. The day to day, nuts and bolts, Yeah. You know, um, uh, interpreting policy, you know, having those, you know, difficult conversations, you know? Um, and so that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. Um, And I always envision that you could fractionalize HR. You know, so I I say that we're um, an HR team, you know, we're HR department, fractionalized for Mm -hmm. for businesses. And that's really what the goal and drive has been
1: towards.
2: So they can get best in class solutions and not have to pay for either a full-time person or department for that matter, right? They can get your wealth of experience for the number of hours or... I'm not sure how you do it, but it, let's just assume for the number, a number of hours per week or month. Uh, and therefore, they get a fraction of you and your company.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, we work off a subscription plan. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's um, need-based. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, and it's worked out really, really well. Um, how did you choose the name? So I I was sitting at my desk at home, (laughs) you know, one of those random like, well, okay, now I have this grand illusion of like, okay, become this, you know, business owner, what am I going to call the company? Yeah, You know, so you go through all these, you know, scenarios in your head. And I said, what am I actually trying to accomplish? And I'm trying to fit, you know, the businesses that I'm working with, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really does fall into that into that same space because really each client is different and different needs. And, um, and so it's worked out really nicely.
2: So I'm going to mention a few things that your LinkedIn profile has, and that, excuse me, it was probably your bio. It was your bio. Um, but I want you to flush these out and, and then talk about anything else that you do for clients. So it's record keeping employee relations, compensation, benefits, administration, talk about each of those and how they, you know, the kind of work that you do and why that's needed. And other services you may provide.
0: Sure. Um, so record keeping, I think, is one of the weakest areas that um, businesses have. All you need
2: large- W-9, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Just, yeah, everyone can be just a W-9. <laughs> um, so um, and even large firms, you know, I, I saw that really as as an area that was not um, just it just wasn't there wasn't a lot of concentration put on it until it needed to be. Yeah. Right. Until yeah. there was a need to have the, those documents. Um, so that's one area that I really feel like we focus on. We help clients through um, what do they need? How long do they need to keep it? You know, in it, in it there's nothing exciting about it you know right, it's just right. it is what it is right um well it's, it's only exciting if you, documents that's
2: it only exciting if you think if you think about the fines that you don't have to pay if anyone right. would come in and review your files which happens right
0: absolutely it happens all the time um and you know then there's the panic call mm. well, what do i do well don't worry it's all set <laughs> you know we're we have everything in order and you're good. Um,
2: so so the, the Department of Labor, Labor, either federal or state, comes in and it's usually, well, I'm just totally guessing. It's not random. Is it usually that somebody complained or are they out there knocking on doors randomly?
0: Uh, no, it's it's usually there's some kind of trigger, typically, yeah, yeah. Um, or there was a previous infraction.
2: Okay. And then you're on the okay. radar.
0: Um, and, but, you know, then again, that, you know. But,
2: but they're from the government and they're there to help, right?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Famous statement. Right. 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 (laughs) Um, And so that's, you know, that's when it, when that happens, but then the panic call comes in.
2: Yeah. All right. Employee relations. You talked a little bit about that. Flush that out some more.
0: Sure. Um, Employee relations is really, you know, um, making sure that employees needs are met and that's on so many different layers, right? It could be that, you know, it's seamless to um, change their benefits or it's um, or it's those conflict situations Mm -hmm. or it's the um, the development of their you know their trajectory in their career you know Mm -hmm. so all of those everything in hr is related to employee relations on some form or another um and so it is a a bit wide um you know you could could say training you can say communication communication is always a key piece Mm -hmm. um every single client i've had or any company i've worked with the one thing people complain about i just didn't know it wasn't enough communication always it's a standard <laughs> so you build in what you can um and um like and for example
2: just, i'm just thinking off the top of my head having yeah. them sign an, an employee handbook having yep. read it when exactly. they get hired yep 100 yeah. mm-hmm. yep. percent
0: and it's also i mean even just business updates we picked up a new account you know, um, uh, you know, you don't have to get into the to the weeds of the finances, but buy in. Right. You, you're we're all in this together. You know, um, you know, and a company really can't run without its employees. <laughs> so that's, you know, a, a big part of that equation of the, the balancing act.
2: What about compensation? Do you design plans? Do you help yeah. just manage? You do. OK, talk about that. Yeah, absolutely, That's so pretty it, complex.
0: It is. um, So, you know, obviously um, C-suite is not something we we would focus on, but anything below that really just um, do um, comparables, internal, external, depending on the the size of the company, Mm -hmm. um, ensuring that it's, you know, you have geographical, you have um, title, you know, you have job responsibilities, all of those pieces feed into compensation.
2: Um, Is recruiting part of this as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, below um, C-suite and looking, you know, at any, um, you know, any position really that someone needs help filling. Um, And it's just walking through all those steps and recruiting is really another place. Again, you know, if it touches upon employee relations, it touches upon record keeping. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to make sure that, you know, you're and equity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, You have to make sure you're keeping the documents, the appropriate timeline you have to make sure, you know, what questions were asked to the candidates is those records are, are retained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so all of those different pieces. Um, and then, of course, all the way through the onboarding process.
2: And benefits administration, that's got to take a lot of time.
0: Yep, Benefits administration. So um, we're not, you know, obviously not broker. We don't write um, right. we with, with brokers, but we um, provide that. Again, record keeping, um, you know, someone comes on, they add it to the plan, they leave, they come off the plan. And that's also another area that I see that um, clients struggle with.
2: So this would be health, dental, vision, does it include 401k, really yep. any kind of benefit?
0: Any kind of benefit.
2: And you manage some of those client relationships for your client?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're, again, you know, um, trying to be that liaison between mm-hmm. the um, you know, the plan administrator and the uh, employer.
2: So who's on your team, the type of folks that are on your team, and it sounds like you probably have a virtual team as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So we have um, have staff members that are payroll, um, that are obviously focused on payroll. They -hmm. they just, again, the same side of the administration, Mm -hmm. benefits, payroll, um, and um, also uh, recruiting. We have recruiters. Um, We have... Also, um, trying to go through my list. Yeah. <laughs> my, apologies. my apologies on no, that. No, that's a good way to do it. Benefits administrator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we have a wide variety of staff that do, um, again, provide that HR team approach. Um, really, in, in you know, an HR department at your disposal.
2: And is some of what you do short-term, transactional? Is most of what you do long-term relationship? really uh, that permanent fixture until maybe they grow to the size where they need or want a full-time department or person
0: absolutely so um, we do uh, we do develop strong par- business partnerships and mm-hmm. we you know stay with them until you know we do have, have have had clients that hit that plateau where it's like okay it's time. It's time, it's time for mm-hmm. you to get your own HR person, you know. Um, but for the most part, um, we try to develop those relationships long term. And we we are your HR department, you know, uh, just a call away.
2: And how often are you on site? How often are you? I mean, let, let's take the pandemic out of it for a second. Sure. We'll come back to that, I'm sure. But um, pre-pandemic, let's say, uh, how, do, how, do, how does the C-level access you? How do the mm-hmm. employees access you?
0: So typically uh try to have a um either weekly or biweekly, sometimes monthly meeting with um the executive level. Mm-hmm. And um just to make sure that everything is going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have um you know, obviously call, you know, call I want, I don't want to call it a call center because that's not what it is because you end up with the same person that's your dedicated, right? right. So you have dedicated right. generalists. Um, and then you have, um, you know, if you have some recruiting needs, you go to your recruiter. If you have some payroll needs, you go to your payroll person. So it's, um, it really is, like I said, when 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 a client signs on with us, they receive, um, you know, the contact names. Um, primarily, you'll always go through your generalist. So,
2: so I may be making this up, but it seems to me I read the word platform. Does that mean there's a, an online component to this?
0: Um, well, I used it in. Um, probably a platform and we do we do have a platform that we use just to make sure that we're getting back to people within two two hours so,
1: is
2: there some kind of do you recommend a portal where they can access their documents records that sort of thing
0: so um so we use um i don't know if i can i say the name of the oh sure yeah, yeah yeah. we use bamboo as our yeah. electronic record keeping right and, um, that's how we communicate with our clients as far as records
2: i think Bam- bamboo is required to pay you now So send them a bill. (laughs) Yes, I agree. (laughs) Um, Now, how has, this is like the obligatory question. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, getting sick of asking it, but it's, I mean, people want to know, how has COVID affected your business?
0: Oh, it's been a struggle. I mean, because obviously, you know, when people laid everyone off, they didn't have
2: employees. Um, I mean, they must've needed you for that process as well. It it was, it it was
0: sort of hurry up and wait, you know? everyone and then when when people started coming back to the office what did that look like and it was i really felt like we went from an hr department to a crisis center mm. and 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 we're obviously moving away from that now but it's um the calls were just i mean it was constant and every mm. single minute of every day was yeah. what do i do i'm an employee you know can i come in can they come in no you no know, it just oh, you're it,
2: helping set policies
0: yeah absolutely Which they're not easy yeah. to okay. set either
2: in this changing craziness right
0: and that's it. And it was the guidelines were changing so frequently. Yeah. You know, you just didn't really know from day to day, is this same policy going to apply tomorrow? Travel policy. Yeah. in on in, onsite work, you know, who can go on site? you know, what States, you know, cause every, each state had different policies. So um, yeah, it was a challenge. And I, I still feel that we're, we're still a little bit stuck in it. You know, there's, there's a lot of questions. I mean, there's a lot of questions about, you know, can I mandate vaccines? Can I ask? You know, because there are there yes. are a lot of questions, that questions HIPAA, come up a lot, right? The HIPAA questions, you know, and, and you know, if someone refuses, why? And you know, can can you ask why? You know, and so it really. Um, so I just work with clients case by case and try to figure out, you know, what's best approach. Um, and we just you know use our 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 knowledge and try to make the best of the the questions so
2: well it sounds like you've got a wealth of, ex- of experience believe it or not we are up against it we're out of time tell thank the you. audience how they can reach you if they want to reach out
0: thank you um so where our website is hr2fit.com my mm-hmm. email hr at- the
2: number two hr number the number two, two. that's Fit. right yeah thank
0: you yep <laughs> hr number two dot com and um you can call you can email me directly at cindy c-i-n-d-y cushman c-u-s-h-m-a-n at hr number two FIT.com.
2: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know you're crazy busy. I appreciate you carving out some time.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
2: You got it. And thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. This is a show about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Winning Business Radio. You can find me or drop me a note, Kevin at WinningBusinessRadio.com. That's one of my email addresses. Our company, Winning Incorporated, we're part of Sandler Training. We develop sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. We're not right for everybody, but maybe we should have a conversation. Uh, Thank you, as always, to expert engineer Rebel Medler. Tune in again next Monday, August 30th, 4 p.m. Eastern. My guest will be Danny Schumann, founder of Twist, and Twist is a brand storytelling company. Pretty cool. Until then, this is Kevin Hallinan. Thanks for being here.
1: You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk4Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.